The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Hello, it's time for another episode of the Rockin' and Rollin' the Pet Buzz Radio Show. We are happy that you are joining us today. Dr. Fleck, did you hear this one? Very interesting news survey. It was commissioned by Pet Cure, and they're a pet food company. And the brand that actually kind of dealt with the whole thing was called Now Fresh. So this survey revealed that a large majority of American pet owners, this is what they surveyed and they said, 86% claim their dogs live a life of luxury. Do you agree? Totally. I do too. Claim that compared to their ancestors, 77% said dogs have grown accustomed to a life of being catered. Do you agree or disagree? I totally agree with that too. And the last one that the average dog owner believes that their pup could only take care of themselves for a maximum of two days. 31% said maybe three. Some others said barely a single day. What do you think? (laughs) I'm not sure about that interpretation, but it has value. You know, from experts I've always talked to, they've always said things like, you know, dogs kind of like blend into us. I think if Churchill got away, he'd find some cutie patootie and suck up. And then, you know, if he had to. But if he didn't find a cutie patootie and he was out there on his own, I think he probably would find a way to survive. Sure. I mean, most dogs that are out and about, and they're still surviving. Correct. Well, this is what I thought was so <laughs> apropos. OK, so four in five dogs, according to the survey, their owners believe that they would rather stay inside than step one paw outside if it's raining. I totally agree with that. Well, one. here in Florida, it rains all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. But still one paw mm-hmm. and they don't want to go outside. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly why I walk my dogs in the rain. Mm. So good advice to be giving to our listeners. 68% of dogs are opt to stay inside rather than be in the cold. That I'm not sure of. I I think pets kind of like the dogs. They like cool weather. Okay. Anything you got, Dr. Fleck? Well, I'm a little sad to report this story. About 10 out of 19 dogs died in transport from O'Hare Airport on their way to Indiana to a police canine training facility. I heard that story. It's really sad. Since the truck was separated from the cab, and as a result, the driver wasn't aware that the AC unit failed, which caused some of the canines to go into heat-related medical distress. Shame. The driver's attention as to what was going on inside the cargo area was alerted to him by some of the canines barking. Eventually, the driver then stopped the vehicle at a gas station in Indiana, about 60 miles southeast of the airport, and saw that the dogs were in real distress. He began removing the canines from the crates, which prompted 911 calls into both the local fire department and police department. And as you can imagine, the scene was chaotic and took an emotional toll on all that were involved in trying to save as many of the canines as possible. Such a sad story. Investigators on scene noted that this didn't seem to be a 
a proper truck in which to carry live animals. And there was no technology to monitor the temperature in the cab. You know, it just this tragic news story just reminds us that we really have to be aware of the effects of heat on dogs, something that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, you know, and these are for canine training. So every pet has its value. But think about the probable expense already involved mm-hmm. with these these canines, whether they're Malinois or German Shepherds or whatever. Uh, these are specially designed and bred dogs for this purpose. It's, it's just heartbreaking. Well, with that in mind, let me give you a rundown of the show today. Uh-huh. This week on the Pet Buzz, we'll discuss how an organization is helping to prevent African poaching of animals, what a Girl Scout did to help animals, what to do if your dog is drinking too much, how to prevent pet germs from affecting pet owners, beetle Sir Paul McCarthy's new pooch, and and following reports that President Joe Biden's dog commander bit Secret Service personnel at least 10 times over a four month span. Dog experts say there are a multitude of reasons why a German shepherd might exhibit such aggressive behavior. I want to hear from one of my favorite dog trainers, Brian Kilcummins. I want to know what he thinks. Well, joining us today on the Pet Bus is Brian Kilcummins. Brian Kilcummins is an American author and dog trainer. He's a protege of the famous Barbara Woodhouse and the only North American to have studied under Woodhouse in the UK. Kilcummins is the author of pet training manuals and books. He is considered to be one of the most esteemed dog trainers in the United States. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz, Brian. I am so glad you're here. Thanks, Charlotte. Hey, do me a favor. Take that memo about me being one of the most esteemed dog trainers in the United States. You are. And send it to the dogs. Okay, I will. They don't get it. (laughs) No problem. That's an easy one to do. So, Brian, what is going on in this White House? You know, as you know, the Bidens have had three German shepherds, you know, Champ's dad, the old man. Then Major, they got Major, so they could go into the White House with two. Major bit two people that we knew of. He probably bit more. And he was sent away to live with the friends of the Bidens. And now Commander, who can't be more than one and a half, has bit 10 times. I mean, is a German Shepherd or GSD a bad fit for the White House with all the employees? I mean, would a Golden Retriever have been a better choice? Dogs are as good as the owners. So, and when you look at lifestyles, this is probably one of the most complex lifestyles. And them wanting to have a dog, but yet not having the support system. People think dogs think like we do. They don't. People think that they rationalize their behavior and they do not take the warning signs seriously. And I'm not talking just about the Biden dogs. I'm talking about household pets. A dog growls and people dismiss it. Listen, a growl is a warning. It's basically me coming up and saying, watch yourself or I'm going to punch you in the face. You don't turn around and go, you know what? He didn't punch me in the face. And aggression starts with the thought. It doesn't start with the action. By the time the action happens, you need to be able to catch up. And catching up entails one serious foundation work, obedience training. It is not to dominate the dog. It's not to show him who's boss. It is one teaching establishes communication. Communication establishes relationship. 
That's what most people want with their dogs. No, I I understand that. But I'm just thinking, I mean, you know, let's kind of take a step back from the beginning. You know, Joe Biden is 80 something years old. Is he close? Is he that? Isn't he in his 80s? Yeah, I, I believe okay. so. And Jill is very small. They have these powerful German shepherds. I mean, this is kind of a lesson in the right dog for the right person. And I know that I've always been able to either pick my dog up. I mean, not to dominate my dog, but I, I want to make sure that I can always have control over my dog, whether it's on a leash, whether it's on a hand with a hand signal, a verbal command. And if I had to physically restrain my dog. Charlotte, this is the big problem. People think that leads are either steering mechanisms or communication devices. The leash is a tool. Most people don't know how to use it. And for a nation of dog lovers, I find it astounding that well-behaved dogs are an anomaly. Rarely do you see a well-behaved dog walking relaxed and happy and attentive to its owner than most people walking dogs that are five feet ahead of them. And that's one of the problems with the uh, with Commander. Every time I've seen pictures of that dog, he's out and ahead. He doesn't have any reference point. And the other thing is, is the White House has to be one of the most stressful places on the planet. And President Biden is surrounded by people that are there to protect him. They are on alert. They're not taking yoga breaths and relaxing their body language. <laughs> and yes, German shepherds were bred for protection. Now, he sees all these people, and there are a lot of people who are approaching this dog or interacting with this dog, and he sees everybody stressed out. Plus, and this is the big factor, once a dog becomes aggressive like that, the owners tense up. The, dogs does not, the dog does not apply it to his behavior. He applies it to what's new in the environment. Sure. So in those situations, you know, you have people that are devoted to protecting the president, they're not in a relaxed posture and they're constantly on point. But the biggest thing is if you do not have verbal control, you do not have control. Sure. Which means that, if you tell your dog to sit and it doesn't sit, then you don't have verbal control of your dog. That would stop a lot of these antics. And the other thing which confuses me is that this dog had bitten 10 times. Well, when do you bring a muzzle out until you get that rectified? Charlotte, after 50,000 dogs and dealing with a lot of aggression in dogs, one thing holds true. Aggression either increases or decreases, but it never stays the same. And without intervention to decrease that aggression and bring it under control, it's through a management program. And from this dog's behavior, they never established a management program. There should be specific people handling those dogs. We're going to take a commercial break and be back in our next segment with more of the fabulous dog trainer and my friend Brian Kilcummins discussing how Commander should be retrained, rehabilitated, just really wiping the state, starting all over. Also in our next segment is Celebrity Pet Buzz 
and flex facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Thank you for joining us on The Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Dog trainer and author Brian Kilcummins is here discussing some of the Biden family problems, including the big one, their GSD, their German Shepherd dog, Commander Biting Secret Service agent. So um, we're talking about rehabilitation, retraining. With this type of behavior, I would also worry about that cat in the White House, as well as Biden's, depending on the day of the week, four or five grandchildren. They're obviously not acknowledging or maybe they just don't understand or maybe it's not being explained to them by the staff of dog behaviorists and uh, people surrounding them, because obviously nothing seems to work if the dog has bitten 10 times. Well, there's a saying in training, dog training would be easy if it wasn't for the people. People are not consistent. They do not use consistent words. They do not teach behavior consistently. So the dogs become confused and they make their own choices. So as far as doing this, you can surmise all you want. What we'll tell you and which isn't being done. How is the body language being missed? This dog is giving warning signs, you know, and and we still have people going, he's wagging his tail. He's fine. Now, it depends upon the position of the tail. If the tail is up and going quickly or rigid, all right, that is not a good sign. And as soon as this happened, it wasn't addressed because we rationalized the behavior. We hear stuff like, they surprised me, or "They're he, he's protecting me. And I love this one because I hear it all the time. You know, Fufu's on the couch with mommy. And she's petting and her husband walks in and he growls. She goes, oh, he's just protective. No, he's not. He's aggressive. Who else would you let threaten a family member? A growl is a threat. I mean, there have been so many great stories that have come out of the White House. Look at the Kennedys with their dogs. Remember that famous picture of Obama running on the lawn with Bo? I mean, there were great pictures. And Millie, remember Millie, the Bushes, Millie, giving having puppies in the White House. There's such endearing photos that you can go and, and see. Um, Charlotte, you know what would be nice? If Commander could be taken, straightened around, and put in that situation, and it could be used as a learning learning experience for dog owners. Absolutely. I mean, people, you know, were rattling and and screaming that they get a rescue dog and they got a rescue dog. There are a lot of different factors into it that, that go into it. So as far as looking at those factors and also calling it when I'm called in on an aggression case, I have to make the determination. One, are the people willing to change what they're doing or not doing? And two, as far as they're willing to work with the dog to change this around. But in some instances, you shouldn't keep the dog because it can't fit into your lifestyle. Absolutely. And, and I've told people, 
that numerous times because they're not willing to work with the dog. And when you have a very active dog that has guard instincts that has not been trained properly, it's a liability. Sure. Absolutely. You know, can you change it around? Yes. But the big thing with aggression, it is not cured. It is managed. Okay. Then fall that's out, a good point. You fall out of the management program. It's coming back. Okay. And probably that's what's happened. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we learn more about you, your dog training practice, methodology? Give us your website. It's greatdogsbybrian.com. Greatdogsbybrian.com. And Brian is great. I've known him for many, many years. And Brian, before we go, I want to be reminded, I want to bond with you. You know, we had a good friend. He's passed on. And uh, Mordecai Siegel. Yes. Lovely and, man. Yes. Really admired you very, very much. And, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting here. I'm getting all flaclamped and I've got tears in my eyes now. But um, this segment will be in memory of Mordecai Siegel, our dear friend. That's an honor. And Mordecai was, he contributed a tremendous amount to the field. And he was a lovely human being. Just to remind you, that was dog trainer and author Brian Kilcummins discussing why the Biden's dog commander is biting secret service agents. <laughs> Gotta have some celebrity pet buzz. And now, and now the, latest the latest news, news about, about celebrities, celebrities and their pets. pets. It's obsession. Aren't they cute? What's the name? Legendary Beatles, Sir Paul McCarthy and his wife, Nancy Chevrolet, adopted a dog named Jet. The couple shared a picture of their new pet on Instagram. Jet, who looks like a black spaniel mix, hails from Los Angeles's LaBelle Foundation, a foster-based organization. The organization thanked the couple for opening up their home and supporting animal rescue. Congratulations, Sir Paul and Nancy. We wish you the best of luck with your new pet Jet. Time now for Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. So, Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today on Flex Facts? We're going to talk about keeping both pets healthy and people healthy, too. You know, a number of studies have shown that that bond that we try to promote between pets and people can increase fitness, lower stress, and bring happiness to the pet parent. Brings happiness to me. Brings happiness to all of us that have pets. But there's something else you should also know, and that is that pets sometimes carry germs that can be making people sick, and people can be carrying germs that can make pets sick. These diseases that are intertransmissible, we call zoonotic diseases. Okay. So I guess the first question is, are some people at a higher risk to get these diseases that animals carry? Oh, my God. We're, we're, we're just new away from COVID. What did they tell us in COVID? Under five years of age. If you're immunologically challenged or have a weakened immune system, or if you're older than 65, then you're more likely to get disease spread by anything that's infectious. Maybe if you're pregnant, too. Okay, so those people, children under five, people with weakened immune system, like I'm a diabetic, so I'd fall in that category. Sometimes people like you're a senior, 
And then people who are pregnant. Okay, got that. Okay. Can you suggest a few ways for pet parents and their families to stay healthy? Oh, I don't want to be overzealous about this, but uh-huh. whether you're playing with, feeding, or cleaning up after your pet, it's important to hygiene. Wash your hands to help reduce the risk of getting sick from the germs that pets can carry. Well, talking about poop, yeah, you remember that the CDC is, has run studies on, on raw meats, which a lot of people like to feed today, mm-hmm. and they've discovered that up to 8% of that contains salmonella, E. coli, camelobacter, et cetera, some of these horrible pathogens. But a lot of the pets have certain resistance to that. But when they eat these, they pass it in their stool. So that's another important reason for you to be very cautious about caring for the stools. Make sure that you just good good hygiene as much as possible. You know, this is so important, Dr. Fluck. I'm really glad you're talking about this topic. I am too. Other than washing hands, what can pet owners do? Well, let's keep the dog supplies and everything you have for your pets out of the kitchen. And maybe let's disinfect the pet habitats, you know, your, your crates and cages, and other supplies okay. that you have. And, and don't do it in the kitchen. Find an area outside to do it or in an area where you know that you can clean better with disinfectant. Sure. Contact your veterinarian if you have any questions about your pet health or if you think your pet may be sick. Hey, you know what, Charlotte, let's continue this discussion next week. I think it's important enough. It's a great idea because there's so much information there. Yes. Thanks, Dr. Fleck. That was very useful information. And we can start implementing these measures with ourselves and our families ASAP. Also up next is the I Like You of the Week, the Pet Buzz Mailbag, and our next guest. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. What do you do with the dog with diarrhea? That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love you so much. I like it. It's to die for. You know, every time my friend Allison takes her dog in the car, he has nervous diarrhea. Ugh. You can only imagine that she hates cleaning up the leather bench seat, the carpet, the interior door panels, as well as trying to remove the smell. And of course, we can't forget that the dog has to be groomed, too. And even if she contains the dog in a crate instead of securing him in the back seat, she still has to have the car detailed at an unexpected expense. Well, not such a long time ago, I suggested that she use Tevra Pets Stop the Runs. Stop the Runs is an anti-diarrhea chewable for dogs that helps turn your dog's stool or poop from loose to firm. It's a fast-acting, all-natural, easy-to-use, chewable, optimized for taste, contains a complex composition of natural extracts to help 
regulate gut activity. Tested and recommended by veterinarians, it's perfect for travel, diet changes, and Allison's dog. To learn more about Tevra Pet, Stop the Runs, visit tevrapet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A-P-E-T.com. You've got mail. This question is for you, Dr. Fleck. Bethann writes from Oklahoma, Dr. Fleck, my six-year-old Westie is starting to drink a lot of water. I'm sure that it has nothing to do with the heat. Why does my pet urinate and drink a lot? There are several reasons why your pet may be drinking extra water and urinating frequently. Some of them are rather serious. So if you notice changes in this type of activity, especially acute changes, do speak with your vet immediately. Following might be a list of other possible reasons. The pet is a female and she may be pregnant. Your pet could have diabetes, liver disease, or maybe even Cushing's disease. All of these three health issues would likely lead to your pet drinking and peeing more frequently. So Beth Ann, as a general rule, a pet who starts drinking more and urinating more acutely rather quickly than usually means you should go to the vet because such activity is often an indicator of potentially serious health issues. And guess what? Let us know what happens after you take your pet to the vet. Good luck. So if you have any questions, write to Dr. Fleck and myself at team at the We will answer your question in our next The Pet Buzz Mailbag. Well, it sure is hot outside as we're experiencing a worldwide heat wave. It is hot, hot, hot. Not only do we have to be careful with ourselves, but our dogs. And this is why I was so interested in talking about this new study by the Royal Veterinary College that has found that dogs with heat stroke may be suffering even further due to outdated first aid practices. And joining us today is veterinary surgeon, Dr. Emily Hall. That's what they call a veterinarian in England. So Dr. Emily is a lecturer in veterinary education and teaches on the postgraduate certificate, diploma, and MSc in veterinary education. Alongside her teaching, Dr. Emily researches novels and non-invasive measures and methods of monitoring body temperatures and heat-related illness in companion animals. 2018, she was supervised and mentored by veterinarian Dr. Dan O'Neill and Dr. Ann Carter. Emily and the Hot Dogs team were awarded a Dogs Trust Canine Welfare Grant to investigate the epidemiology of heat-related illness or heat stroke in the UK dogs using Vet Compass program. In 2021, an additional Dogs Trust Canine Welfare Grant was awarded to the team to support the evaluation of the Vet Compass clinical grading tool for heat-related illness in dogs for use in emergency veterinary practice. Whew. Dr. Emily, greetings and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Hi there. Great to be on today. Dr. Emily, thank you so much for joining us to discuss this very important topic that's really affecting pet owners from around the globe right now. 
why don't you review heat-related illness and its symptoms? And then we can talk about what you found out with your hot dog team. I love that hot dog team. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so heat-related illness is the the term we're now trying to use instead of heat stroke because it encompasses all the spectrum of disorders that you get when you get too hot. So it's essentially anybody, and that's cat, dog, person, horse, any animal, um, getting too hot. So when the body temperature rises above the point, the body can actively cool itself to get back to a, a manageable temperature. And it reaches the point where that high temperature starts to cause damage to chemicals within the blood, chemicals within cells, and ultimately cellular damage and organ damage um, and progresses right through from what we would call mild heat-related illness, which previously you might have called heat stress, um, which would be our dogs panting excessively, being reluctant to move, struggling to exercise, and and just really being quite tired and, and maybe behaving not quite normally. Progressing onto the moderate heat-related illness, which is where we start to see real evidence of damage to the body systems. So vomiting, diarrhea, really drooling excessively, maybe having a seizure, a fit, um, and then also collapsing, not being able to stand up anymore. And if we don't catch it at that point and it progresses to severe heat-related illness, heat stroke, then we're looking at bleeding disorders, blood in that vomit, blood in that diarrhea, bleeding under the skin, those seizures turning into multiple seizures or continuous seizures and then potentially the dog losing consciousness altogether and becoming comatosed and sadly the next stage is death wow a bit bleak <laughs> i know totally depressing and bleak. well unfortunately because i'm on the, the front line for dealing with patients like this and in florida and in florida uh, unfortunately i've i've seen all that you've described and it is very very sad and really because I'm on the front line, this next question to me is really important. And maybe can you discuss the outdated practices and methodology when it comes to specifically heat stroke? Yes, the key thing that we're seeing, and, and we've seen it in textbooks for a while now, and, and we're increasingly seeing it on first aid websites from organizations trying to help and people on social media sharing these viral posts that go around saying your vet wants you to know that is the fear that using cold water is going to harm your dog. And that's just not true. Um, cold water cooling is the gold standard in human sports medicine, equine sports medicine, um, increasingly now being recognized that it should be the, the standard practice in, in general practice medicine um, within hospitals, treating humans no matter what has caused their heat stroke so yeah this, this fear of using cold water is the thing that's harming dogs yeah so a lot of people say use tepid water and then wet a towel down and wrap your dog in a towel i mean you're the, the dog's body temperature is gonna warm up that towel so fast it's not going to be effective at all yeah the, the challenge we we don't really have any good research into whether towels work or not we we might know that putting on a wet t-shirt makes you feel a bit better yeah like in in the <laughs> summer you, you you know you feel a bit cooler it's it's quite sure. pleasant but you're not suffering from heat stroke sure and when we've got an animal or a person for that matter who is in the stages of heat stroke we need to get that body temperature back down fast because the longer it's high the more damage is being done so 
a wet towel is not going to be as effective as pouring that water straight onto the dog, getting air movement over them, getting that evaporative cooling going. Which is clearly contrary to what, what we've been taught before in school and, and in training for dealing with these issues. I always wondered too, because I mean, when I was an athlete, I jumped in one of those ice tubs before and I certainly didn't like it, but it didn't do anything negative to me. And that's what I understood what happened so badly. You're bringing them back too fast or so, but I, I think your new studies indicate that's the right thing to do. It's also worth kind of just really stressing that it's whatever water you've got available. So with the best will in the world, how many dog owners have access to a vat of iced water? Well, I think uh, we got to talk about that and make some modifications to your dog park uh, and outing uh, behavior. Time now for a hard commercial break. But when we return, we will be finishing up our chat with Royal Veterinary College's veterinary surgeon, Emily Hall, discussing her hot dog team's research regarding heat related illness. Also up in our next segment is Global Pet News and Tell Me Something Good. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and and country. We're back with the Royal Veterinary College veterinary surgeon, Dr. Emily Hall. I have a question, um, lecturer Emily. (laughs) Based on your new study, how should we treat dogs with HRI? The first thing is as soon as you see those mild signs, you've got to nip it in the bud. So the minute you're worried, your dog is panting excessively. And by panting excessively, we mean panting that doesn't stop when the dog stops exercising and panting that is using the entire body. Their mouths are really hanging open. Their tongues are really extended. You can see their gums. You can see all that saliva. And they are like bellows. Just, we've, we've got a video of this on our website, which you should definitely check out. Um, so as soon as you see that excessive panting, that reluctance to exercise, maybe you notice a slight change in their behavior. They're a bit wobbly on their legs. They're not paying as much attention to you responding that usual way that is the time to take action so stop any exercise because that's only going to get them hotter get them out of the sun and out of the heat so into the shade if we can and if they haven't responded to that then we need to really be active cooling so if they're a young healthy conscious dog then if you've got access to a body of water and they can get in it that's going to help as long as that water is cooler than the dog Um, and dogs did cool in water even that hot So it's the water that you have available to you. If your dog is old, if your dog is perhaps unwell, any dog with respiratory problems, especially those flat-faced guys, the French bulldogs, the English bulldogs, um, then, yeah, getting them into water is risky. So pour that water onto them, make sure there is airflow, and phone your vet, get advice. Um, Well, you know, I think people need to hear some practical advice. So should you tell people like when you, if you go to the dog park on a Saturday morning, maybe you need to bring a cooler with ice. Maybe you need to have some bottles of water in your car. 
certainly having access to water is is going to be important and if you're keeping it in your car then yes that water is potentially going to be hotter than the dog if sure. the car has, has hit those high temperatures that's why you need the cooler with ice so yeah then you maybe do need a cooler with ice or once you've parked your car can you put the cool the water under it so it's in the shade um, I don't know if that would help I say it gets a heck of a lot hotter where you are but certainly having access to water is absolutely essential um, but also thinking if you're traveling with your dog in a car what would happen if you broke down what would happen if you were in a traffic jam in full sun could you keep your dog cool in that environment you're saying how hot it's getting at three in the afternoon imagine that on on the tarmac on the asphalt um with the heat baking up off it and all the other cars around you blowing out exhaust that is a hot environment so can you create shade do you have water to cool them and, and can you create air movement or at least have air conditioning that will reach the dog Yes, especially if you have an older car. You know, as we've gone along with this this conversation, trying to think of a visual where maybe somebody that's listening that has a bulldog or Frenchie or whatever, and they've made the mistake of, of overheating and they can't get to the vet right away and so that they can accommodate what we're talking about today. But I'm thinking of in terms of, you said that pouring the water over, are you talking more in terms of, maybe in a tub or, or or in a flat surface with maybe the hose running? Or are you talking in terms of maybe having a tub where you can fill it with water and have ice cubes in that and still pouring water on? What's, what's the best technique for somebody to use at home or me as a vet? It depends what you've got access to, because if you don't have access to a paddling pool or a tub that that your dog can actually sit in and as I say if your dog has lost consciousness or has any kind of breathing difficulty that's putting them at risk of drowning so we've got to be super careful so hose pipes are brilliant they're they're really great because you can continuously get that cool water running over the dog um obviously the first time you switch on the hose pipe you get that really hot water because it's been sat sure. in the hose in the full sun so make sure the water is coming out cooler than the dog before we put it on them but if you're out in the field if you're at the dog park you don't have access to a hose pipe so no. it's whatever you've got access to and so yeah having a couple of bottles of water in the car is better than having nothing the most important thing people need to realize is it's dangerous out there and if you're gonna take your dog on a walk and it's 100 degrees at noon maybe you shouldn't do it because you might probably are not going to be able to carry the appropriate tools that you need or have access to them so i think it's for us i think the overall theme should just be the awareness that you got to act quickly and you need to be prepared what do you think michael I think that plus the cold water, you know, that's sure. you know, as cold as you can get and having it applied to the pet as much as you can seems to be what what's relevant today with the new technique that I will be using if necessary. And I hope I don't have to. Well, you have that big metal tub at your practice. I do. But, so, so, I mean, you know, so we can immerse the pet and still run water over. Sure. So we're probably in the best situation. So if you can get to a vet, that's what you want to but do. But you remember, you have to cool first, transport second. Yes. Emily, th thank you so much for joining us today. Your results really can help save dogs' lives. But before you go, can you give us your website where our listeners can learn more about 
your research? So all our research is freely available at heatstroke.dog. Um, we've made it as simple as we can. <laughs> Hopefully that's easy that's to great. remember. That um, is great. Yeah, we've got blog posts aimed at owners. Um, and as I say, all the actual research papers there if you're interested. That's fantastic. Well, just to remind you, that was veterinary surgeon and lecturer in veterinary education, Emily Hall from the Royal Veterinary College in the UK. Please heed her advice if you are spending any time outside with your dog. Um, this summertime, she has her own hot dog team that put all this research together, and they're quite an impressive crew. And thank you very much and, for doing it. Yeah, perfectly. Learn more about animals from around the world. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Endangered African animals, including lions, African elephants, rhinos, mountain gorillas, and grevy zebras, have been illegally hunted or poached for many years. These animals, among others, are illegally hunted and killed so that their body parts, such as their pelts, tusks, bones, or horns, can be sold on the black market. Although many solutions have been implemented, they have only delayed poaching rather than stopping it. Well, fast forward to Invictus Canine, an organization that trains both dogs and handlers to track poachers and cease poaching attempts in several regions of Africa. Owners of Invictus Canine hire and train handlers. Selected handlers for the program are people who have grown up near and alongside protected areas and are invested in the conservation of wildlife and the wild habitats. Handlers are tasked with tracking, finding and disarming poachers. It's also important to note that poachers are very dangerous, desperate and often armed with weapons. As a result, these handlers put their lives on the line every day to protect endangered animals from poaching. Missions have taken the Invictus canine team and their handlers into situations involving plane crashes, run-ins with violent poachers, jumping off moving vehicles, and near-death experiences than the average person would expect to experience in a lifetime. Without a doubt, to be a handler is to be devoted to the cause. Through the donations received by the company, this organization has been able to purchase critical field equipment like GPS devices, radios, and watches. These items can mean the difference between life and death for an animal being poached and can help keep both dogs and handlers out of harm's way. Even though poaching won't end overnight, the Invictus Canine Team is a positive step in the right direction to protect African animals. So let's wrap the show with the good stuff. And like... News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. 
When it's time for Ariel to pick a project for her Girl Scout Gold Award, that's the organization's highest achievement, the teen knew just what she wanted to focus on, her love of animals. Specifically, she wanted to help pets and shelters who were dealing with stress and or boredom. So Ariel came up with a toy rotation program for her local shelter so that the pets there could routinely receive new to them toys to keep the playtime fun and interesting and to reduce the boredom. So she also organized a huge pet supply drive for the shelter and rescue groups and held several workshops about pet enrichment in which attendees could volunteer to make toys for homeless pets. I think that's a fantastic idea. The future is bright for this girl hero to animals. Now that's something good. Well, before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're talking about what it takes for our dogs to age gracefully, as well as military working dogs diagnosed with PTSD. Dr. Fleck, can you thank our guest? Yeah, our special guest. We want to thank Brian Kilcommons and veterinary surgeon Emily Hall. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have any questions, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll try to cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.